Good morning, everyone. Just wanted to take a sip of this tea, and this is very refreshing. In fact, Pastor Ben is going to be speaking today about this thing called the value of encouragement. I think we all need encouragement from time to time, and sometimes even at work near the water cooler, sometimes people are talking about things that may not be as encouraging as you would hope it to be. However, God has some principles for us. In fact, He has a value for us when it comes to encouragement. And in this series that we've been going through, talking about forever family, God wants to give us this value so that we can be more encouraging in our families. Would you welcome with me Pastor Ben as he comes and speaks with us this morning. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Hope Hill, Hawaii. And as Pastor Lynn said, uh, for all of our veterans and for those who serve in our armed forces, we just want to say thank you so much for all your sacrifices. That's why our nation is this great. It's because of those who fought for our freedom. So we just want to say thank you so much. As Pastor Sheldon said, this morning we're talking about encouragement. And the reality is, uh, what role do we play? What role do we play when our family, our friends, and even others uh, need encouragement? Because I think, here's the reality, encouragement we all need. We all need encouragement. But when it comes to encouraging others, most times we actually look at the wrong stuff rather than what's really important. I mean, in other words, we actually focus on the things that doesn't really matter and lose sight of what's really important. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to learn from the Bible on how not just to encourage others, but to also be encouraged. Now, Lord knows, growing up, I needed a lot of encouragement, okay? I mean, Lord knows. And uh, how many of you like music? How many of you like to dance to music? Okay. Well, being a kid, I loved music. Uh, growing up, uh, you know, as a kid, I loved music. And then uh, there's just something infectious about music where you can't just, like, stay still. When you hear, like, a really uh, energetic song, you can't just be like this. You got you, you, you Look, all right, I try to stand still. and I can't, There's no music. I can still hear the music in my head, and I'm bobbing my head. Because the reality is... When you hear music, you got to move to it. And that's how I was growing up. I loved to dance to music. Well, when I was in sixth grade, uh, something happened in sixth grade. Uh, uh, it was a dance craze that was popular back in like the 70s, I think, 80s, I don't know. And then uh, came back. It's called break dancing. And so when I was in sixth grade, all my friends, uh, all the friends that I made, they were getting into breakdancing. So they would wear all Adidas uh, clothing, you know, they, they'd have the Adidas shoes, and then they'd start breakdancing. And this is, here we are in Waikia Intermediate, all on the sidewalks, we're trying to breakdance and all that. So I thought it was crazy because, you know, you're doing all the whoo and whoo and all that. And I'm like, oh, and they're playing music. And, and like I said, I love to dance. When I hear music, my body moves. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it. Hey, my friends are breakdancing. I'm going to go breakdance too. But there was a catch. See, my friends were skinny, athletic people. <laughs> Here I was, a chunky Hawaiian boy trying to break dance. And so I remember trying to learn, and my friends would break dance. Now, to be honest, they weren't the greatest, but they did better than me. And so I would see them break dance, and I remember one time, so they're doing this dance battle. And uh, so they're doing this dance battle. And so I'm confident, okay? I'm confident in myself. So I go, and I start to break dance. Now, when I mean break dance, I mean, thank the Lord, I never break when I was dancing. So there I am trying to break dance, and all my friends start laughing at me, like, ha, 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 like, Ben, Ben, yo, no, 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 no. But there's this, there's this kid in, in, our, 
intermediate school. He was actually eighth grade, so when we were in sixth grade, he was this older guy. And uh, we looked up to him because he was probably the best breakdancer in our school. I mean, when we did all this, uh, when we had all the performances in school, he'd be like the top headliner because he would do all those amazing stuff. He'd flip backwards and all this and that. And so we're breakdancing. All my friends are just like ragging on me. You know, they ah, and they're all laughing at me. They're, they're not encouraging me at all. And then all of a sudden, I hear his voice. Bro, guys, leave him alone. Hey, you. Now, he didn't even know my name. He knew me as you. So <laughs> he's like, hey, you. You know what? Just dance. Don't listen to them. Just dance. You like dance? Just dance. If you look, if you look dumb, it's okay. Just dance. And from that moment, that encouraged me. Now, did I look dumb? Yes. It's okay. <laughs> But most times when we dance, we don't look the greatest, right? I mean, think about it. Just last year, uh, it's, it's, so, it's so funny because nowadays there's all these dance craze right now. There's this thing called the running man challenge. And it's not like how you used to do the running man like this. It's totally different. Last year, there's this uh, dance craze. And some of you know if you're younger uh, or if you have kids and maybe, maybe they came to you and they're like, oh, you got to listen to this song. Oh, I'm going to teach you to dance. And it goes, I'm pretty, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I look really dumb doing that. But it, my mind, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> silent toe, anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, that, it was amazing, because ever since that kid told me that, I, nev- I never stopped dancing, and it's so funny, because I know there are dances that I look dumb in, but you know what, I don't do it to look cool, I do it to have fun, and that's what he was actually saying, he was actually encouraging me, hey, don't lose sight of why you're doing what you want to do, you want to have fun, have fun, be smart, but have fun. And this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. Because the reality is, like I said, all of us in here, we all need encouragement. But there's a catch with encouragement. You see, it's like a sledgehammer. Sledgehammers can be used to build stuff up. But what do we know sledgehammers mostly for? Breaking stuff down. And you see, the re- reality is, encouragement does the same thing. We can either build people up with encouragement or we can tear them down. And so this morning, we're going to look at the Bible, and we're going to look at how. How can we encourage others? How can we build up our family and friends? See, the reality is everyone can be encouraged and build up others by focusing on these three areas that matter in the value of encouragement. So if you're taking notes, the first point of this morning is this. Speak life. Words matter. Speak life, words matter. Ephesians 4.29 says it like this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. Growing up, many of us heard that, that statement. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, the reality is sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can also hurt me. That's the truth. You see, the reality is, our words, once we throw it out there, once we say it, we can't take it back. Once we say something out loud, once we encourage someone with wrong words, we, it, it takes a hard time getting it back. I mean, how many of you guys know what this is? Toothpaste. Hopefully you used it this morning. <laughs> if you did it, it's okay. Jesus loves you. <laughs> but the reality is, this is what happens. See, our words matter. Now imagine that the toothpaste in this tube is 
our words. So you say it. Right? Now try to put the toothpaste back in the tube. You can't. And just like our words, once we say something, we can't take it back. Once we, say, once we throw words out there, it stays out there. In fact, studies show that it takes four positive remarks just to offset one negative remark. Not counter it. It takes four to actually erase that negative. Then you have to continue to build them up by saying positive stuff. And, you know, encouragement with our words really do matter because it affects those that we're talking to. I have a three-year-old daughter. Her name is Caitlin, and she's learning how to use the potty. Now, I love my daughter. She's so cute. She's so funny. She's, uh, <laughs> she drives me crazy sometimes, though. And so right now, me and my wife, Katie, we're trying to get our daughter to use the potty. So we've been telling her, okay, Caitlin, every time you have to use a uh, bathroom or you have to use the potty, come let mommy and daddy know. And so in the beginning, it was kind of like, okay, daddy, I made, in my, you know, I made something in my diaper. Okay, well, you know, come on, Caitlin, you got to learn how to use the potty. If you want to go to school, you have to learn how to use the potty. And so that's how we started off. Was like, okay, Caitlin, come on. Oh, daddy, I made, you know, I made something in my, my diaper. Okay, Caitlin. But then it started to come like, she, she kept saying that. She kept saying, Daddy, I use the bathroom in my diaper instead of going to the potty. And, and so eventually, me and my wife, Katie, were like, Caitlin, you need to go to the potty. And then all of a sudden, we, we changed. It, it, somewhere, I remember one day, and this was, the, this was one of the worst days. I remember telling her, okay, Caitlin, do you have to use the potty? No, Dad, I'm okay. So I think we went somewhere. And we actually carry a potty in our car just to make sure, you know, if she has to use potty, she can go right there. And so we get, to, we get to the store, and then I grab her, and she goes, Daddy, I made shishi. You made what? I made shishi. I never just asked you like 10 minutes ago. You have to use the bathroom. <laughs> Caitlin, you cannot. Caitlin, you need to tell Daddy you, need, you, you have to use a potty. Caitlin, why did you do that? I already asked you. No, no, no. And I didn't realize I, but until after I caught myself, I'm yelling at my three-year-old daughter in the parking lot, hoping that no one from this church sees me because they're like, ah! <laughs> and, then, and then, but here's the, here's the kicker. I saw my daughter's face, and my daughter's face, when she told me that she made shishi in her diaper, she already knew she was wrong. She already, she already knew she was wrong, but she still had hope. She still had hope that daddy loves her and all this and that. I saw that immediately fade away because of my words. And I, I caught it because she started to cry. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm yelling at a three-year-old. You know how many times I mess up? And I just started, I just, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm a bad parent. I'm a bad person. And so I grab her. I'm like, sorry, Caitlin. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for crying at you. And you think, you think that'd be the end of it. But this is how I mean words matter. We got to speak life. You know, a couple weeks after that, for the next few weeks after that, whenever she made shishi in her diaper, she would ask me, she would say, Daddy, I made shishi in my diaper. And so I tried, I tried working on it, right? I'm like, okay. But this is the kicker. She'd go, you're not mad. <laughs> and I caught it. I was like, wait a minute. My daughter, my daughter ca- caught what I did. My words did speak, didn't speak life at all to the point where she thought, she thinks I'm mad at her 
instead of loving her. Man, I got I to gotta work on that. And so that's why even today I'm trying hard. She's still working on it. So that's why whenever, whenever, now she's using the potty more. So I'm like, yes! So every time she goes, Daddy, I mean, I went on the potty. Yes, high five, yeah! You know, tackle her so she, so she sees that how much I love her and how much she's my daughter, no matter what, I will always love her. But you see, our words matter. We got to speak life. We got to speak life. In Ephesians 4.15, it says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, there's, a, there's something that I don't like about, uh, so, so hear me on this. You ever had a moment where you're going through something, and like you're going through a hard day, and somebody just comes up to you, oh, it's okay, it'll be better tomorrow. Or if you're going through a situation and they're like, oh, it's, oh, yeah, don't worry. See, for me, I actually tell our team this, that I hate cliches. I hate feel-good cliches. Unless it's true, don't say it. Because the reality is not only do our words matter, not only do we have to speak life, but in 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 our speaking, we have to speak truth and love. If someone's doing something wrong, you're not going to keep going, Oh, it's okay. You'll get better tomorrow. I mean, we can. But if they're going off a cliff, if they're driving off track and they're headed towards a cliff, you're not going to say, oh, it's okay. We'll probably fly. You're not going to say that. We're not going to say that. That's not true. You're going to say, what are you doing? Turn. You're going to grab the steering wheel. You're going to turn. That's what we're going to do. And that's how we got to speak. We gotta speak in truth and love. Now, not just in truth, not where you just be brutal and you just whew, cut them down. But we gotta speak truth and love. And you know, the reality is, when we get away from our, from our cliches and that sound good, and even Christian cliches that sound good, you know what happens is we lead people to the real deal, and that's Jesus Christ. Because you know what? There's nobody better that spoke life because his words matter. There's nobody better than Jesus Christ. In fact, he did it with one of his disciples, Peter. Now, some of us, we know Peter. He's one of the 12 disciples. But let me give you a a real quick rundown of Peter. So Peter was actually one of the first disciples that Jesus called to follow him. Peter was a fisherman. And so instantly he dropped his nets and he followed Christ. Peter was so influential that Jesus actually said to Peter, Peter, you will be the one I build my church on. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. And that's actually found in Matthew 16, 18. But not only that, Jesus actually tells Peter later on that, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to abandon me. And Peter's like, no, I'm not going to abandon you. No, 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 no. And and Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you're going to abandon me. Sure enough, what happens? He He abandons Jesus. Peter abandons Jesus. In fact, as soon as the rooster crows... Jesus actually looks at Peter, and Peter remembers what Jesus said, and Peter runs off crying. But there's something that happens after that. There's something that happens after Jesus comes back from the grave. In John 21, 17, and I love, I love this scripture. As, as, as Jesus appears to his disciples, they're, they're hanging out and they're eating, and, and Jesus approaches Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I do. 
Well, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, then feed my sheep. And then for the third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. See, if we look beyond that, what actually happened was Jesus spoke life into Peter's heart. He let his words matter. Now, it did did say that uh, Peter was hurt. But sometimes when we speak in truth and love, there's going to be some hurt. But the hurt is for healing. The hurt is for improvement. The hurt is so that we get better. What, af- what happened after that? Peter went and ministered to people, and that's why many of us are here today. It's because Peter went out. It's because Jesus spoke life to Peter. Can you imagine if Jesus said, hey, I'm going to build a church on you, but you're going to deny me three times, and that was it? No life would have happened in Peter. I mean, we see that Peter ran away crying. He was obviously discouraged. But when Jesus said those words to him, he was encouraged to continue what Jesus saw in him to build up the church. You see, our words matter. So we got to speak life. In fact, we're encouraged to speak life because Jesus speaks to us with his word of life. We call that the Bible. But you know, the reality is it's not just our words. Not just our words that matter. It's not just our, our speaking that, that matters. It's also this, and you can write this in point number two. It's stand with. Actions matter. Stand with. Actions matter. In James 2, 14 to 16, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? See, not only do I like people, not only do I not like people when they say stuff that are cliches, but I don't like people that do that. Like, you're going through something and you need help. Like, man, I need help with this. And somebody goes, okay, well, I'll see you later. Shoots. I said I needed help. You see, our actions matter. We got to be willing to stand with people. There's a quote that I like. It says, don't talk. Just act. Don't say, just show. And don't promise, just prove. I love that quote. Because along with speaking life, we must encourage people by stepping into their lives and stand with them. We got to be willing to step into people's lives and stand with them. Romans 1.12, I believe you have that in your, in your notes. And I'm going to ask that we read it together. It should be up there. Ready? One, two, three, go. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. You see, we got to be willing to step into people's lives and stand with them, even when they're going through junk. That's when the greatest encouragement comes. The greatest encouragement isn't when you're on top and you're trying to pull somebody up. The greatest encouragement is when you're actually with them, helping them. In other words, are you willing to tag team with that person and encourage them to be or go wherever they're called to go? 
don't know about you, but uh, growing up as a kid, I was a big WWF fan, a wrestling fan. Uh, in fact, when I, was in, uh, when I was a kid, I loved it. I loved watching Hulk and Bret the Hitman Hart. And then when I got into teenage years, uh, there were two uh, WWF wrestlers that I loved, and it was Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. And so I remember uh, I would always cheer for them. But one of the greatest things was I loved it every time they'd do a tag team match with The Rock and Stone Cold. And so you have a tag team match, The Rock and Stone Cold, and, and they're going against their enemies. And the reason why I loved it is because separately, they're good. Together, even better. And then when they do the match, you'd see the opponents, they put uh, like if Stone Cold's in, in there and, he's, and he's, you know, he's punching and all that, and they're wrestling and all that. And then all of a sudden, the, the enemies start to win, right? The, the opponents start to win, and so they put Stone Cold in a sleeper hold. And so if you know anything about WWF or wrestling, they do the whole, oh, if you, if you look like you're passing out, they, they grab your arm and go, and if you drop them three times, you're out, right? And so I remember there's this one match where Stone Cold, he's, he's in, he, he looks like he's supposed to tap or he's supposed to, uh, he's going to give up. And the rock is on the, on the corner, like, reaching out, like, come on, tag me, tag me, tag me, because I'm going to go in there, I'm going to just, whoop. And so you see him, and so you see Stone Cold, and so he's starting to fall asleep, he's in a sleeper hold, and they grab, the ref grabs his arm, one drops, two it drops. Now everybody's like, okay, the third one, it's over, you know, match is over and all that. And all of a sudden, the third one, the ref grabs it, his arm starts to go down, and all of a sudden, he does this, and everybody knew what that meant. Everybody knew what that meant. Every time a wrestler does this, it's like they get the mana come back. And so, so, boom, you see Stone Cold, and he's like, he's up, and he's like, he starts elbowing, starts elbowing, he gets out, he whacks him down, and then they both fall down, and you see The Rock just going, come on, he's begging, come on, and all of a sudden, they make it, they make it dramatic, right, both people are trying to, trying to tag their partner, and so, and so all of a sudden, he's like, who's going to tag first, who's going to tag first, and all of a sudden, both guys tag their partners, so Stone Cold tags The Rock, the opponent tags The Rock, the, the, their tag team partner, and then comes the rock, he's just like, and just, boom, throws the guy out of the ring, goes to the other guy who's standing, boom, throws him out. It was great. I loved it. Like, I was, like, I was in my, I mean, a teenager in my, in my bedroom, like, yeah! As you can see, I see, look, I acted it out too. But the rea- see, the reality is, when it comes to encouraging people, they don't need cheerleaders. Sometimes they need tag team partners. You gotta be willing to be on the apron going, come on, bro, tag me. Come on. I can help you. That's what you gotta do sometimes. You gotta be tag team partners. We gotta be willing to step into people's life and stand with them. Because the, the, the greatest thing is when we work together, nothing can happen. Because the reality is when we step, when we tag team with each other, it's actually a three man tag. Because you have you, you have the person you're encouraging, and then you have God on your side. Amen. And as the Bible says, if God is for us, then who can ever be against us? Exactly. If God is with us, then who can, what, can we, what can ever stand against us? But the reality is we've got to be asking ourselves, are we willing to be fa- Are we going to just be fans? Are we going to be cheerleaders? Or are we going to be tag team partners? Are we willing to get into the ring? You see, the ones that encourage the most are the ones that are willing to walk side by side. In Galatians 1, 1 and 2, it says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, 
you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Let me ask you a question. If you were moving a refrigerator, would you move it by yourself? No. Yeah, if it was a small one, okay. But if it was a full-size refrigerator, would you be willing to move it by yourself? Would you be willing to carry it up a flight of stairs by yourself? No. You thought I was talking about level ground, huh? Oh, yeah, just wheel them. No. You know, in fact, funny story is a couple years ago, we had to do that. I used to have an office right up here. If you go out these two doors, there is a steep staircase. And that used to be my old office. And so I remember one time I was like, man, I need, to keep, I, need, I, need somewhere to, I need something to keep my food cold. And so I was like, I'm just going to go buy a refrigerator. I was going to buy a small one. Well, one of my friends was like, yeah, you know what? We, we're getting rid of our old one. You like them? I was like, shoots. Until he told me, that's a full-size one, though. Huh? Because I'm thinking to myself, i got to carry this thing up the flight of stairs. No more lift, I can go, you know, no more elevator. i got to carry it. And so I'm thinking, okay. So I, so I didn't go and grab it by myself. I grabbed a couple of my friends. And so together, I don't know how we did it, because that refrigerator is heavy. You ever try to carry something, you're like, I got them, and then, ah! That's how it was. I could, there was no way I could lift that refrigerator by myself. I had to move it with my friends. And the same thing is with us. I don't know if you ever noticed, but you know when you go to Walmart and you buy stuff and you buy big stuff? You, know, you ever notice there's something on it that says team lift? It's because if you lift it by yourself, you're going to get hurt. And the reality is, for those who are, we're trying to encourage, they're hurt because they're trying to carry it all on their own. We've got to be willing to bear each other's burdens. It's... it's, it's essential. In fact, there's a story of a man who, who, if he didn't encourage, I wonder what we'd be like today. His name is Barnabas. Now, Barnabas is actually named Joseph, and, but he went along with the name Barnabas, and believe it or not, Barnabas actually stands for the son of encouragement. And the reality is with Barnabas, his actions spoke loud. Uh, after Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples went on, they continued to make more disciples, and Barnabas was one of them. And Barnabas was so dedicated to spreading the gospel that his actions spoke loud. He had a field. Now, it doesn't say how big his field was, but imagine if he had a couple acres of field. He sold that all and donated it to the ministry because he believed in it. And not only that, but he encouraged others. In fact, in Acts 11.23, it says, When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Now, there's one man that actually he encouraged. And, and that's what I mean by if he didn't encourage this one man, I wonder what we'd be like today. And his name was Saul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. And when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Now, some of us may not know who Saul is. Saul was actually a Pharisee, a church a church a religious leader, and he believed in the old ways. He believed in the Ten Commandments and the, God, the, the law of God. And so he was against this new thing called the way, which is Jesus Christ, and everybody telling people about Jesus Christ. And so he actually had the authority, he had the authority, this guy saw, to not just arrest, but actually sentence people to death 
for following Jesus. Well, he gets known as, as being that person, so he's actually traveling to Damascus to where he can continue doing this, and all of a sudden, the Lord intervenes. Jesus speaks to him, his life gets changed, he gets converted. But that doesn't erase the fact that people were afraid of Saul because of what he used to do. Then here comes Barnabas. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. In other words, Barnabas stood on behalf of Saul to the disciples and said, this guy Saul, yeah, I know, I know what he's done. I know what he's done. But let me tell you what he's doing now. And he encouraged them. And in fact, he walked side by side with Saul. Acts 11 says, when Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, for, uh, for a full year teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Can you imagine if Barnabas didn't encourage Saul? We probably wouldn't. We'd, we'd have a harder way to get to know God. See, we're encouraged to stand with people because Christ stands with us. You know, many of us know that, that Psalm, uh, Psalm 24, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now we know that. But here's the main part. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. See, we are encouraged to stand with people because Christ stands with us. But believe it or not, it's not just about speaking life. It's not just about standing with. It takes one more thing. And the third point is this. Share heart. Because love matters. Share heart, love matters. John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By, everyone, by, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There are three times that Jesus says love one another. Why? Because love matters. Because the reality is a mind will only reach a mind, but a heart will reach a heart. See, encouragement is much more than what is said and done. It has to be the reason why we do it. In 1 Timothy 1.5, it says, The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Well, Paul's actually writing to, the, to Timothy, his protege, is, is your why has to be love. Not, your, not just your words, not just your actions, but your why. Your why has to be love. I mean, can you, imagine, can you imagine if you try to encourage people without love? Let me, let me paint a picture. You worked hard all day, okay? Sweat, all that, you worked hard. It was a laborious day. And you come home. And as you need to come home, you open the door, and you smell something great. You smell something delicious. Your spouse made you your favorite dinner with everything. And you can smell it, and you walk in, and... and, because, and as soon as you walk in, just the smell alone starts to encourage you because you're like, oh. And all your worries and all your, all your hard work from today, it starts to kind of disappear because you're looking forward to what's happening, right? And then you come into the kitchen and, and there's your spouse and all the food's laid out. And say, okay, 
Dinner's, dinner's ready when you are. You're like, okay, I'm going to go get ready. And you're probably going to enjoy that dinner, right? You're encouraged to eat. You're going to be, your spirit is going to be, your spirit is going to be so uh, lifted up high compared to this. Imagine you worked hard all day. You come home. There's no smell. And your spouse looks at you and says, honey, here's what's for dinner. And hands you a TV tray dinner. Now, I remember eating TV tray dinners when I was a kid. The kid cuisine one. That was not my favorite meal ever. Even the brownie was junk. I was like, is this brownie? No, it's pudding. Wait, I don't know. Even the chicken nuggets was junk. That, that doesn't encourage me at all. But when I came home and my mom made uh, her, her, I love her shoyu chicken. When she made her shoyu chicken, I'd walk in, oh. And I'd walk in, oh. You know, you open the pot, yes. I was encouraged by that. And see, that's, that's the reality. Encouragement needs love. You can tell when somebody cooks with or without love, right? And in the same way, we got to encourage. We got to encourage with love. See, the greatest act of encouragement is love. The greatest act of encouragement is love. When we share our heart and encourage people in love, it goes beyond the circumstances and focuses on them. When I was a kid, I, I know I'm saying, sharing a lot of stories, but when I was a kid, uh, my mom was like, you know, you should do something active. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> and so uh, she said, so I, I told her, I'm, I was like, mom, I want to go into, I want to do karate because, you know, back then that's when Power Rangers was coming up. And I was like, yeah, you know, so, so fast that I threw off my mic. And so, uh, but my mom was like, no, you cannot be in, you can, she was afraid of that if I do judo, I mean, if I do karate, I'm going to get punched in the face, cry, and then, you know, never go back. So she said, why don't you do judo? So I did. I did judo and uh, for like several years, like three years, four years, I don't know, I forget. And so I remember doing judo. And so I remember judo, my mom would come to practice and she'd throw me off guard because I'd just be nervous. So she'd throw me off guard and so she stopped coming to my practices. And, but then we had tournaments, we had competitions. So uh, I want to share this because if you're in here and you've ever felt like this, you're not the only one. I never brought home a gold trophy. I never brought home a gold medal. I was always second place, third place, or no place. <laughs> and the reality is, the reality is I never won a gold trophy because there's always this one kid that beat me. But you know what's amazing? I remember coming, I remember winning every uh, second trophy. I remember actually sitting, uh, we'd have to sit and we'd wait for the trophy ceremony. And I remember thinking, okay, maybe I won. Maybe I won for, uh, first place, or maybe I won gold. And then, you know, they say, second place, Ben Arbonoso. And they tell you, smile, take picture. Because I never won second I never won first place. I always went second or, or below. But you know what's amazing is my mom never made me feel that way. She never made me feel like I, I won second place or third Every time, ever, after every competition, she made me feel as if I won first because she loved me. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 
And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You see, love gives us the courage to face life's challenges and circumstances. And this is ultimately found in Jesus. Because Jesus, he sees our troubled hearts, just like the disciples. In fact, in John 14, 1, it says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And if you look at towards the end of his life, Jesus did all three. He spoke life, his actions mattered, and he showed his love. He would actually say to them, peace I give unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And not only does he speak life, but he stands with us. I love John 16, 33, where he says, uh, take heart, for you will have problems, you will have troubles in this world, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. In other words, he's saying, listen, you, you, can, you can do it because I'm standing with you to overcome this world, to overcome your problems, to overcome your disappointments, to overcome your failures, to overcome your challenges, your circumstances. And most of all, he shared his heart. John 15, 13 says this, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see, we're encouraged to love, with love, and be loved. Mark 12, 30 to 31, and many of us know this, this is the greatest commandment. It says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Because the bottom line is this. The value of encouragement matters because people matter. See, that's where we get lost in the, in the mix. We, we tend to focus on the circumstance or the challenge or the situation. The reality is people matter. See, it's not about the situation or circumstance. It's about the person. And we have to do that. We have to bring back that focus of encouraging on the person. We have to focus back on how we are encouraging, what we are encouraging, why we are encouraging, and most of all, who we're encouraging because people matter. You might be here this morning and maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you need encouragement to encourage others. We're going to take a look at someone who's going to encourage us by giving us an amazing pep talk. I watched this video. I was like, you're right. I love Space Jam too. Imagine. But, you know, you might be here this morning and, and maybe you, you're in a spot where you need to be encouraged. And if you're, if you're there, then I'm going to tell you this. There's, there's, no other, there's no better person. There's no better encourager than Jesus Christ. You might be here this morning and maybe you need help to encourage others. And you're like, man, I, I got I to gotta work on how I encourage others. I got to work on speaking life and, and uh, standing with people and loving them. Well, there's no better example than Jesus Christ. Would you bow your hearts with me? You know, we all experience times of, of in need of encouragement, and we all experience times of 
challenges and circumstances. We experience hardships. We experience moments of failures. And that's why we need Jesus. Because when Jesus is in our hearts, he encourages us. He does it by speaking life, by, by showing us who he is, by, by standing with us and sharing his love with us. If you're here this morning and you need encouragement, maybe you feel like you hit rock bottom, then that's okay. All you need to do is let the rock come in and his name is Jesus Christ. He's a rock that you can stand on that will lift you up, that will encourage you for the rest of your days. Maybe for some of us, you're, you're, you're like me. And then my three-year-old daughter, we got to work on encouraging others. But that's why we need Jesus. Because when we are encouraged by him, it's infectious. We go out and we encourage others. So I want to give you the opportunity this morning. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask that you just repeat after me and, and just mean it with all your heart. Lord Jesus, this morning I come to you in need of you, in need of your words, in need of your actions, and in need of your love, in need of your encouragement. Lord, you will raise me up. It is by your strength that I can continue to run the race and live life. I believe you died on the cross and that you rose again to love me and to take me from glory to glory and make me into who you want me to be. I love you, Lord. So fill me with your value of encouragement and most of all your love. With everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to ask if you pray that for the very first time, if you receive Jesus Christ this morning for the very first time, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand so that we can pray for you. And many of us, many of us, we have the Lord, but now it's time for us to go out into the world and encourage people with the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much for being an amazing encourager in our lives that no matter what we go through, you are with us because you love us. Lord, would you bless us and continue to have your works done in our lives. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name and everybody would say amen, amen, amen.